Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. Brought to you by Blue Sky Business Consulting. We discuss five questions in about 15 minutes. Hello again, everyone. Happy Thursday. Hope that everyone's having a great day. So we are very glad that you're here. And I would like to welcome our guest today. This is Jim Spadacini. He is the CEO and Creative Director of IDEUM out of Corrales, New Mexico. And I'm, not, I'm trying to remember if I've had anybody from New Mexico before, so you might be the first. I'll have to go look. Oh, but Jim, thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. And what would you like the audience to know about IDEUM? Well, th- thanks for having me, Sean. I, you know, I think uh, IDEUM is a small company. We're based in kind of an unlikely place for the type of work we do. We're, we're in Corrales, New Mexico, which is about 10,000 people uh, on the Rio Grande. And our company is an experienced design firm. So we work with a lot of museums, uh, Jackie Robinson Museum. We've worked with zoos, San Diego Zoo, Monterey Bay Aquarium, places like that. And we also have some corporate clients. So we're designing mostly experiences for public spaces, but we also have a line of touch tables and touch displays that we sell worldwide. And we've sold that product in 45 different countries around the world. Wow, that's fantastic. So is it primarily then for these spaces where a lot of, uh, I'll call them tourists, but guests kind of walk through and have uh, maybe kind of a, a mix between, oh, the, the technology, obviously, but uh, you know, live interaction, I guess, is that the word with animals or people or whoever? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really about that sort of physical uh, physical public spaces and how you program for them. And we and we we tend to lean a lot on the technology side, but we also build physical things. You know, we built a, a scale model of uh, Ebbets Field for the Jackie Robinson Museum, and then nice. worked with uh, another company, Gensler, and we you know activated that with a lot of different digital technology from projection to touch screens and. Uh, LED and an LED wall. So, uh, you know, every project is is different. And, um, you know, a, a lot of them wind up being with uh, museums, but also corporate experience centers or, or uh, large trade shows, that kind of thing. Wow, that is fascinating. I especially uh, perked up when you talked about the Jackie Robinson Museum, because I'm a, as you can tell, I'm a baseball <laughs> fan. And so uh, I liked that. So that was smart of you to bring that one up. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, that's awesome. Well, good luck and congratulations on your success so far. Let's go ahead and get started with our questions. Now, Jim, as as you've been kind of building this business here with IDM, is there a challenge that you've overcome that you're especially proud of? Well, you know, I think the the one that certainly comes to mind when you're building things that people touch and you're talking about doing work in public spaces was the COVID, you know, uh, situation. And you know, for, for us, it was, you know, it was, and I know this was true for a lot of other companies, so we're not unique in that sense. Uh, but, you know, when you're selling touch tables and no one wants to touch, or you're, you know, building experiences to public spaces and museums and they're all closed, uh, you know, that's not a not a great business environment to be in, uh, I, I guess, to say, say the least. So I, I think I was really proud of, like, the way our team came together and uh, the way we managed to get through that. You know, we're we're a, a self-funded company, uh, sort of self-built company. So uh, it wasn't like we, you know, we had big cash reserves or we could go back to, you know, and, and get a bunch of capital. So we had to find our own path through that. And uh, you know, there were times where that was that was really really difficult. Well, I'll tell you, um, I, I don't usually go into too much detail on how I structure the podcast, but it's important for this particular point here. But I ask the same five questions of all the guests of every season. 
And yeah. I think that, uh, I, you know, I asked that, what's the challenge you've overcome question to, well, I don't know, a hundred or so. And it's amazing how many people have said COVID. They say other things too, but man, COVID was a big deal. And so the fact that you guys even survived COVID is impressive. But the fact that you were also bringing your, able to bring your team together and do some innovation and some, hey, we got to do some creative thinking here. That's a major accomplishment. So congratulations on just not only getting through, but turning into something that uh, that was really challenging and uh, rallying the team and so forth. So that's awesome. I love hearing that story. All right. Well, question number two, Jim, how can leaders, and especially in a, in a creative environment like your, like your own, I'm especially curious to hear your response to this next question here, but how can leaders help to kind of nurture a culture and an, and an environment of creativity within their company or the team? Well, I, I think it starts with respect, and that means you respect all of the voices on your team, including including junior people who are just getting in uh, to the business. It also means listening to your clients and listening to everybody who 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 has some say in the project or that that you're involved in. So I think that's that's really important. Um, I, I also think the, you know having teams that are small enough that all those voices can be heard and agile enough that they can you know, make those changes as, as things come up, as new ideas pop up. I think that's important. I, I also am a strong believer in providing all of the tools that everybody needs uh, to be, to be creative. And that that's everything from having great creative spaces. And, and we have a, a number of different sort of studio spaces and prototyping spaces and electronics benches and small fab facilities and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, whether you're going to sketch out your ideas on paper or you're going to build a prototype out of software or you're going to manufacture something as a first article, um, all of those things, you know, you need to give people the tools and give them the agency uh, to uh, to allow that creativity to come through. Uh, so that's something that we, you know, we very actively cultivate and and we we focus on all the time. It, it, you know, it's as much about process as what gets produced. I really like that, Jim, because you mentioned something that I think is is unique to as opposed to some of the answers that, that I get that I've asked previously. You actually emphasized providing the tools for them. And you gave a couple of quick examples there of some ways that, uh, that you do that. But what a great reminder to all of the leaders out there to create that environment, yes, but also be able to provide them with the tools that they need, whether it's the space itself, but it could be anything from software and some of those other things that you mentioned. But I love that answer. I thought that was a great point to make sure that the team has the tools that they need to be creative because that sometimes gets overlooked. So, All right, well, and and the kind of work we do because a lot of it is interdisciplinary. So we have audiovisual things, we have software things, we have other types of hardware, we have physical build out, fabricated pieces. So having all of those things work together in concert is really important. And we we basically have built small departments that allow us to do all of those things. Sometimes we're on big projects and we're partnering with another AV firm or another fabrication firm or even another software firm. But I think our, the fact that we come at that with knowledge and understanding of what those processes are like, that just means we're going to wind up with a better, you know, a better product or a better installation or whatever we're, we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Well, I like that. I like that a lot. Great comments. Question number three. Jim, how can leaders help the team members to learn to trust each other? 
Well, you know, I think in some ways the the answer is sort of similar to the last answer. I, I you know, I think I, I think if if you trust folks in the creative process, you know, they're going to build trust amongst each other. And I think again, giving some agency, making sure that your groups, uh, the groups that are organized, are small enough uh, that you know individuals here who are not in necessarily in leadership feel empowered to move things along. Uh, I think that's that's really that's really really important, and I and I do think you know it, it, as much as it's from the top down, it's also from the bottom up, and, and I oh. think you know a good good organizations, strong organizations are always looking at that and trying to foster that. So a lot of times we're in situations where like, well, yeah, we we can help them through that, but wouldn't it be great if next time they know how to do this, they can do this, they could take that on. Um, and before, when I mentioned tools, I do think, for example, if you use great uh, software tools like project management tools, it allows you to kind of keep an eye on the project without coming in and being heavy handed about, you know, you don't want to go in and take over the project. You right. want to give people what they need to succeed in that project. But you still, you know, you have an oversight role to do in leadership and you need to do that. So how can I do that in a way where it's not disruptive of that team? That's usually what we're trying to do. Great comments. Again, it it, uh, it does flow naturally when we create the right environment and then kind of let people go. And I like how you, in, you uh, blended in that tool, that software in this example, to allow for a little bit of oversight, but not feel heavy handed or like we're micromanaging or any of those kinds of things. So great comments, great comments. Question number four, this is kind of sometimes uh, similar in response to the first question, but uh, is there, is it maybe in, in, could either be work or personal, but is there a, a perceived failure that you turned into a win that you can share? Well, you know, I, I when I looked at the questions before you sent it, I thought this was sort of the toughest one, and it wasn't the toughest because, you know, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't think of an example. I think it's almost because there's too many examples. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, when you're manufacturing a product that's using emerging technology, if you're not planning on, you know, some failures along the way, boy, your 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 expectations are all out of whack. Um, so I, I think for us. That sort of, you know, the the fact that that um, you know we we have designed things that haven't worked or worked the way we wanted to and have had to go back. Th those those moments happen often. I mean, we prototype most of the software, most of the exhibit stuff we build. We prototype every product we build. Now, I'm not telling you every prototype is successful. You won't right. find out about the ones that aren't right. But uh, but what happens is obviously those lessons that are learned, they we incorporate those to build a better product, uh, to build a better process, to you know uh, produce a better exhibition or exhibit for our clients. So I think it kind of crosses all of these, uh, you know, it, sort of all the things that IDM does. And I think we we try to have an open uh, environment where these things can get discussed and talked about. You know, I think that's sometimes harder to do because, you know, you don't you don't want people to feel like we're you're placing blame on them, but you have to get to the bottom of why something didn't work. And then you've got to figure out ways to correct it. Yeah, I love that, it, especially right that very, very last comment. You've got to be able to without casting blame, you've got to get to the root of the problem 
and then ideally find the solution. And sometimes, and, and they, and we all do this, but we sometimes feel a little bit attacked or a little bit defensive about it. But the irony is we're usually the best one to know what went wrong and how to solve it. And so we do have to kind of own up to that a little bit. But uh, yeah, I like what you said earlier also about, um, you know, kind of fooling ourselves if we think we've never had any kind of a failure, we'll never have failure or anything like that. And your example of a prototype, I thought was also a really good comment for all of us. Even if you're not into manufacturing, that, that, that mental picture of creating a prototype, knowing that it may not be perfect, but what, what do we need to tweak? What do we learn from it? We can all learn from that concept and that model. So great comments. All right, kind of our last question or fun question. Tell sure. us a little bit about your first job. Uh, so my, my first job was my parents were friends with the local uh, guy who, who ran a local plumbing company when I grew up in Connecticut. And uh, I worked with them over a Christmas break for two weeks during it, back when the Northeast would have deep freezes. Sadly, yeah. that doesn't happen anymore. This, that's how long ago this was. This was in the, uh, I think in the late seventies. And essentially we'd go around and we would try to unfreeze people's pipes. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it would work. You'd put these electrical things on and th th all the pipes were, all the pipes were copper back then and you'd thaw the pipe out and hope it didn't burst but if it did burst then you'd you'd have to you know go in and repair it and so it was you know it was kind of uh it was my first job and I I wound up working with these plumbers who were working 10 to 12 hours a day uh you know trying to keep up with all the calls we'd come into some you know we came into one residence it was like a it was like a skating rink uh you know where they they had got they were out of town and water pipe burst and heater broke and the whole place kind of froze up. It, it looked like something out of Dr. Shivago, um, which again, probably dates myself again. Uh, but, but it was a great, it was sort of a great introduction to the idea that some folks have, have to work really, really hard in their jobs. And sometimes it isn't an eight hour day. And um, you know, and that, that was, I think I was 14. So I think that that was always something that, you know, uh, that stuck with me. And um I think it, I think it was useful. You know, I think it was helpful. Oh, I love that. Part of the reason I asked that question and I've loved asking that question because there's always some corollary between what their first job was and what they're currently doing, not necessarily in terms of the actual job itself or the industry that they were in, but the lessons that they learned, and, you know, for some it's, it's almost comical because they, uh, you know, they, they didn't like the first job. So they know they didn't want to do that. Well, so, you have a small, small company that's very busy, does a lot of different things. I mean, I don't know, fixing leaks seems like a good metaphor, you know? That's very true. Very yeah. true. Yeah. Well, Jim, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Really appreciate you taking time. How can the people find you? Oh, the best place to find us is uh, on our website. If you want to see the stuff we do and see the products we make, that's at www.ideum.com, which I-D-E-U-M.com. We're also, of course, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those, all those places. Fantastic. Well, as always, everyone, we appreciate you joining us every week for another episode of the Team Engagement Podcast. We thank you and we wish you a happy day. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. We also invite you to follow or subscribe to our podcast wherever you may be listening or watching. Is your business thriving? Go to tbs-score.com to find out. 
Thanks for joining us today. Have a great day.